Hey everybody, and welcome to episode number 27 of the Tax Security Podcast, where we discuss all things security, including configuration, troubleshooting, new features, and hot issues being seen by the Cisco Technical Assistance Center. With me today, we've got some of the regular panel members, starting with Magnus Mortensen. How's it going? Hey, everybody. Uh, David White. Hello, Jay. And I'm Jay Johnston, and our special guest is Joe Clark, Distinguished Support Engineer with the TAC. How's it going, Joe? That's going well, thanks. Cool. So uh, we brought Joe in today to talk about something he specializes in, which is embedded event management within iOS. So uh, tell us about something interesting or some neat application of EEM in iOS. Well, there's really nothing you can't do with it, but um, a while back at Cisco Live, I was talking to one of my colleagues in Europe, and he told me this great story. He said that there is a, a rural development organization out in Europe that has a number of roads that exist in floodplains. And most of the year, these roads are dry and people can drive over them. However, when the rains come, these roads have a tendency to flood. And it would really be terrible if you're driving out there and you have to wait, you drive out 10, 20, 30 kilometers before you realize, hey, this road's flooded and I didn't know about it. So what the traffic management system wanted was a way of being proactively notified when the roads have flooded. What they did is they put a small little Cisco router on a pole with a dry contact relay connected to one of the Ethernet ports. And when what happens is the water rises, it hits this contact, contact triggers, brings the port up, and that triggers an EEM policy to send a message back over the wireless network to let the control center know that the road is flooded, and then they can raise a public broadcast and make sure people don't drive out there and find themselves tire deep in water. So when Joe said EEM can do just about anything, he really means just about anything. Yeah. So it's like, it's interesting the, the break between the real world and the internet world and this thing like cross the segment. I mean, you could always do it the other way. Just put the router down at flood level. Oh, right. And then yeah. once it stops responding, you know, that you got a problem. Yeah, it's a one-shot deal though. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that, that's one interesting application of EEM. So Joe, give us some background about what EEM is and what we use it for. Well, EEM is an automation system built right into iOS, iOS XR, iOS XE, and uh, the NXOS versions on MDS and Nexus 7K also have some capability there. And it allows you to react to things that are happening on the device. For example, um, in that case, we were reacting to a, a, an interface coming up, but you can react to CLI commands being run, syslog messages being generated, SNMP traps. You can even run things periodically, poll for things, run CLI. CLI commands, digest the output, and then take action, notify people, send email right from the device, reconfigure the device on the fly. So it's a very flexible and powerful uh, system to be able to control and extend your iOS or iOS-like device. So I can see this being useful not only just for like automating configuration or whatever, deploying lots of routers, but also troubleshooting, too. In fact, when people hear about EEM, first thing they think of is, ooh, I can use this to help myself troubleshoot, or I maybe work around a bug. In fact, j just, I think, yesterday, I got uh, an, an email from an account team from uh, Telecom, and they had a bug. They weren't getting notifications. They were, they were missing some traps, and instead of, they, they can't I mean, these large companies can't just go and wholesale upgrade their code. So they were looking for an EEM solution. And it was very easy to code up uh, what's called an applet, a little piece of config, lives in the running config, that reacted to the syslog messages that were being generated on a hardware failure and converted them to traps that the customer wanted to see. So that's a typical use case. But there's, there's more involved. You, could, you can actually extend the capability, add new features uh, to your device using EEM. Yeah, so EEM, again, is around automation, right? Mm -hmm. Anything that the router can do, you can basically automate that to do 
um, different, unique, or interesting tasks, um, whether that be collecting information, um, sending information, or um, you know, storing it even. I mean, there's, there, there's basically anything that you can think of that the router can do, you can automate that and do something differently with it. So, I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. Um, give, give us an example where uh, a customer wanted a feature that did not exist in iOS, but that we, we were that we were able to deliver by implementing an EEM policy for it. Sure. Um, one of my favorite go-to examples was uh, a different telecom. Um, they had a bunch of ASR 9Ks. Uh, in their core, in their various POPs, as well as 7600, so a mix of iOS, XR, and iOS. And um, the feed, they needed a, a consistent equal-cost multipath feature that worked both across iOS and iOS XR, but the iOS XR didn't provide it at the time. So what we did was, was created one uh, tickle or tool command language script that would work on both iOS and iOS XR and allow them to change the cost of various interfaces, the OSPF cost on various interfaces, to allow an equal cost multipath kind of effect. And we automated that entire thing. So it was we, we coded the, the intelligence once, and as the, the network adapted, the devices adapted as well. That's fantastic. And I think the other thing is, is that our listeners are listening to this and they keep hearing the word coded, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I think we should say that EEM has huge amount of capabilities, but the um, effort required to actually implement those capabilities, that the barrier to entrance isn't all that high. Um, it, you know, and maybe we can talk about, you know, the, the applet versus, mm-hmm. you know, the, the coded versus, uh, you know, tickle. Absolutely. It's a, it's a good point. It, I, I do say coded because a, a lot of these examples we've, we've coded in Tickle. But uh, as I mentioned, the, uh, the first the, the workaround example I gave out yesterday was an applet. And an applet is nothing more than a, a piece of running config that specifies, specifies one or more events and then some actions to take when those events occur. So that can be a very easy way to get started with EEM. And as you play with the feature a little more, you can you can adapt it. You can you can grow it, move into Tickle. In fact, uh, I have a, a converter that will take an existing applet and convert it to Tickle. You just put your applet into a web interface. It gives you back the Tickle, and that can be a nice, uh, good way of getting your feet a little bit wet uh, in the Tickle program. So, Joe, you you've covered a, a handful of examples, and you're referring to coding and all these other sort of ways of doing this. If you were to boil it down to really simple example. I mean, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, I'll, I'll, set, I'll set the stage. Tell me what you can kind of do with this. Okay. Um, so, small router, let's say it's at a remote location, and uh, obviously it's got some ISP that's giving it like a DHCP address, for example. Um, if you were to take it sort of step by step from start to finish, what's the best way to notify an administrator, let's say via email, for example, okay. of, uh, you know, an IP address changing, or, you know, what's a way that I can have EEM, tell me, oh, by the way, here's your IP address, and let's say I'm out on the road and I just want to know. Uh, great question. In fact, I, I did something similar for my dad um, because I have to help him from time to time, and he gets a DHCP address. So we know about that. I, I, <laughs> Family I, I, troubleshooting. I have his uh, 3560 at home email me when his IP address changes. And this is a very simple example. Uh, what you do, uh, go into config T mode. And in my dad's case, his IP could change every 24 hours, or it could change if his uh, main interface bounces, the interface that connects to the ISP. Mm-hmm. So we'll do an event manager applet monitor IP, monitor-IP. 
and then we'll create uh, two events. First, we'll do an event uh, tag, and we'll call it timer. That'll be a timer event, and we'll have that run every 86,400 seconds, or essentially every day, yeah. 24, every 24 hours. We'll create another one, event tag syslog, and we'll look for the uh, syslog pattern for the interface going down. So that'll be a uh, you know, line protocol or link, uh, link three up, down, change on that main interface. And whatever. that's a regex? That's a regex, cool. but okay. but it, it, it can be a, as powerful as all those little meta characters you have, or it can just be a simple string. Mm-hmm. It's a regular. Keep it simple is our motto. So make the regex as simple as you can to match mm-hmm. what you want. There's your two events. Now let's correlate them. We'll create a a, a trigger. Uh, we'll just command trigger, hit enter, and then it'll be a correlate event. Um, what did I say? Timer. Correlate event timer or event syslog. That'll say either one of those events can occur. And now we get to the fun part, the actions. First thing we'll do is we'll run a CLI command, show interface, and then whatever that interface is, and we'll pull out the expression internet address is. So the command would look like show interface, say, fast ethernet zero, pipe include internet address is. Pull out the IP address. Then our next command will be send us an email. And I would use my address, but for all you listeners, please don't email me your address every day. <laughs> I don't really need to see you it. You want to know, Joe. It can be something like uh, action2.0, mail to jclarkatcisco.com, from jclarkatcisco.com, subject, new IP address, body. And here's where it gets a little bit tricky. We ran that CLI command. That was our first action to pull out that IP address. So our body will contain this, this special variable notation. It'll be dollar underscore CLI underscore result. And that will hold the result of the last nice. CLI command that ran. Mm. And then we specify an SMTP server, um, IP address usually. And I, I use the IP address of my dad's provider's SMTP server. And that means every day I can get an email letting me know what his current IP address is. And that'll run completely automated. Uh, you don't have to, to touch it. And so you'll always be notified. Assuming, assuming you can check your email, you'll always be notified of that current IP address. And so you implemented that whole thing in about, what, six or eight commands? Like one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, seven commands, commands, right? Seven commands, and it's basically an automatic update. And it didn't sound IP too complicated. Like the verbs and the yeah. stuff from the commands made sense, right? Yep. It, and, awesome. and the beauty is that's all in the running configuration. So if you're doing any kind of configuration archive or management, you don't you don't have to do anything special to archive those apps. It's not like and a debug or anything that's nope. only in, yeah. And extremely good. portable, too. So once you create it once, you can reuse it anyway. Absolutely. So uh, for all you listeners, we'll include that example in our show notes. So mm-hmm. check out our show notes if you missed the seven commands that Joe just talked about. And you can see an example of how to do it. Well, that's, a, that's a really awesome example, and I, I think you mentioned that that is uh, effectively an applet. Mm-hmm. Um, you've mentioned a Tickle, applet, and I've heard terms like iOS shell kicked around here mm-hmm. as well. Um, where, uh, sort of, what is the correlation between those? What's the difference between applets, Tickle, scripts, stuff like that? Well, the the applet I exam- uh, example I gave was f- fairly simplistic, very linear. You run, you have an event, and you run a set of actions uh, in order. One of those if a then b. Right. Kind of if this event happens, run yeah. these these actions. Uh, later versions of EEM introduced a concept called programmatic applets, which add some uh, concepts from programming languages like conditionals and loops to your applets. So now you can do a little bit more of of Turing-like programming in your applets. But if you really want 
wanted a full scripting language or some full programming capability behind your EEM policies, behind being able to react to these events, you're going to need to move to the Tickle or Tool Command language, scripting language. We offer Tickle version 8.3.4 in iOS, and it's like programming and host-based Tickle. You have all of those same concept, uh, concepts and constructs. Plus, you also have some things that we've added, some nice things of, of interacting with iOS, like with the CLI, getting into configuration, sending email. And, and you mentioned iOS Shell. That's another fairly new uh, concept that was introduced to power the, the feature some of you may have heard of on the switches, the auto smart ports, being able to do these macros on ports. And that looks like a bash, uh, if you're familiar with the born-again shell on Linux, bash-like scripting language. Uh, really, though, what we see most customers doing are either applets or tickle tickle script policies. So let's get into another example. Um, we talked about some use cases for monitoring and uh, mm -hmm. you know deployment. Um, what about troubleshooting? So what are some of the ways that you have used this feature to solve some you know high-profile attack cases or help customers resolve problems? We've got a, an exa a troubleshooting example that our architecture team uses when they're trying to troubleshoot things like low memory or high CPU, you know, memory leak or high CPU. Very simple applets that react to these conditions and run commands like show proc mem, show mem sum, collect that, store it in a file, and make it available so that when the problem occurs again, the architecture engineers have exactly what they need to be able to troubleshoot the issue. Uh, the other day, uh, this is a, more of an interesting uh, use case or more of one that I don't hear all the time. I got a customer requesting um, a policy to be able to look for corrupt Ceph entries. Uh, and they had a lot of interfaces, so it was very prohibitive to be able to look at all of them at the right time and see which ones had bad next hop. So we were able to do an EEM policy, an applet actually, uh, that gave them that visibility. They were very happy about that. So how do you trigger off of a condition like, let's say, the memory, free memory is getting low. So mm -hmm. how do I write something to trigger off of a, not a syslog, not a time, but um, a, an, a, an observed system condition? Good question. There's there's actually a number of ways to do it. What we typically see are SNMP. So one of the events that EEM can react to are changes in SNMP objects or OIDs. And the typical example for low free memory is to use the Cisco memory pool MIB and react to the object that specifies the free memory on the device. And when that goes below a threshold, the policy starts up and collects whatever output we need. So you're referencing that existing SNMP value mm -hmm and just watching it. Okay, so you specify the value, and then it triggers off of that. And exactly. It does its thing. Cool. Now, I know uh, with some of our products, you know, if we are trying to troubleshoot something like high CPU, uh, and we try to get certain pieces of information, that may sometimes artificially elevate mm -hmm. the CPU in the process of trying Make to it debug worse, it. Right? You're, you know, yeah. you know, you're breaking it in the process of trying to fix it. Um, with things like EEM, I mean, are there concerns that, you know, my EEM script is going to just sit and you know, crank CPU 24-7, you know, is there something built in or like what's a sort of best practice when it comes to doing these kind of things? That's a great question, one that we get all the time. Uh, by default, all EEM policies, be it Tickle, Applet, iOS, Shell, have a 20-second max runtime. They will be forcibly terminated after 20 seconds. You can increase that, but you typically don't have to worry about a constantly running policy script applet uh, because they will be killed by the EEM scheduler. EEM uh, event detectors are nothing more than iOS processes. If you were to do a show proc CPU, you'd see a list of all the, the EEM event detectors, and they will 
depending on how they're architected, they may run every so often, like the timer event detector will wake up every so often. But things like syslog, they don't run until you have a syslog event, a syslog pattern registered with them. So you don't have to worry about them taking up uh, a lot of CPU or memory if you don't have policies registered. They do, however, run at a medium priority. Okay. So if you have, um, if you're trying to troubleshoot a high CPU issue, you might run into a case where the device is so heavily loaded that you're unable to inject that policy there. There's higher priority processes. But the CLI commands that it runs are nothing more than just regular CLI commands. There's no, there's no magic there. So if you could run those commands normally, you would be able to run them in EEM. And you might even have a better shot with EEM because you wouldn't necessarily have that TCP overhead of an SSH or a Telnet session. So I think uh, the, you know, the net takeaway for the listeners is, is that EEM policies are safe um, you know, you can run them even when the router is under heavy load and not have adverse effects, right? So, you know, in general, they don't affect the CPU and add a lot more overhead to the box or decrease throughput or anything else. No. The, in, in fact, if, if done right, because you don't have that, that overhead of the TCP sessions, they can be a little bit less intrusive than if you were to Telnet or SSH and then try to get the same output. Now, we talked about um, troubleshooting a little bit and creating EEM applets for detecting high CPU conditions and then really capturing data so that you can evaluate it. You know, another use case that we use sometime with VPNs is if we have, say, a land-to-land tunnel mm-hmm. is up between um, two different sites and something's going on which is causing the tunnel to go down or, you know, to not, um, at a recreate, it doesn't, it doesn't rebuild and we need to capture data, uh, what we can do is you can create an EEM policy on both devices at both endpoints and the first EEM policy can run and watch for an event to occur, and when it's detected, it can actually send a message to the peer to tell it to start its EEM policy um, and and start capturing data as well, so that we've got correlated data from both sides of the connection. I, I know, Joe, you helped us create one of those policies. How about you explain to the listeners uh, what you did? It, there are a few ways of doing RPC and EEM, but probably the lightest and, and most creative maybe is to send an SNMP trap one device that detects a condition, in, in David's example, he was talking about uh, land-to-land VPN tunnels. Let's say one of the ends, one of the one side of that VPN detects a condition, and it needs to turn on some debugging commands. But in order to complete the picture, it needs to look at the other side. It can detect the condition and send an SNMP trap to that other side. That other device can then do exactly the same thing: turn on the debugging, and while that took me a lot of words and a lot of seconds to say. The actual initiation of the trap, the sending and the receiving, takes a few milliseconds. So you're really talking about synchronizing the event on both sides and gathering information at the same time to complete the end-to-end picture of what's going on in the network. What is the the receiver? Okay, I can see you could trigger a packet to be sent, but what's going? what, what does it take to get the receiver to listen for that packet? Uh, you have an EEM policy. One of our... our fairly newer event detectors listens for SNMP traps. So your event on the second device would be uh, listen for an SNMP trap and you can specify a completely customized object identifier for that trap. And when the device Uh, receives it, the EEM policy picks up, executes, and runs the actions that you specify. And then what happens to that trap that was received after the EEM policy sees it and takes action, what actually happens to the trap? Uh, nothing else in iOS really listens for traps, so it, it, it just 
gets dropped. Nothing adverse happens to the device. Now, if you had other trap receivers, say a network management station uh, that the uh, sending device was was sending traps to, then it would receive the trap as well, and you could have an archive or record that that trap was actually sent in your network management station. So again, a way, another example of a way how EEM is used to automate data um, triggering and, and uh, data collection of information that's needed. What about the example of uh, combining EEM with other features like embedded packet capture? That, I, I enjoyed you telling us about that before the show. Well, the uh, EEM is an automation tool, as David said earlier on. So anything within iOS that you can control from the CLI or from SNMP, you can control with EEM. And embedded, embedded packet capture is no different. So let's take that same example. Maybe you didn't need debugging output. Maybe you didn't need like show blah or show foo on both ends, but you would really love a packet capture. Well, what you can do is same thing. You detect the condition on one side. You start your embedded packet capture session. You send that SNMP trap to the peer side, and that peer starts the exact same capture, and now you have a packet capture on both sides of the, uh, of the network. So it's just running those CLI commands that you would normally run manually, you know, monitor, capture, to start up that packet capture. You just run them with EEM instead. So, I mean, this sounds really cool, and uh, I've got an 800 series router at my desk. Am I going to be able to run this on that router, or does it take a much higher, you know, more expensive, higher performance router to do this? No, the 800 is fine, provided you have at least 12314T on there, which, assuming you're not having an old ISDN 800 at your desk, uh, I think you, you'd be probably fine running EEM on that. Uh, EEM supported uh, on a variety of our iOS platforms, in fact, in the switches all the way down to the Cat 3Ks. Uh, we have Cat 4Ks, 5Ks, UBRs, um, 7200s for an older platform, all the way up through the ISR G2s uh, on iOS XR, on the ASRs and CRS, the GSRs running iOS XR, and the uh, uh, ASR 1Ks, the uh, iOS XE devices. So, so basically, it's a little bit of everything everywhere. Oh, yeah, I can get really pedantic with versions, but I don't <laughs> think you want that. Yeah, uh, We have a great uh, resource on our Cisco support community that lists exactly how you can find out what version of EEM your device supports, because even though a device may support EEM, there's different, uh, different versions and changes across those versions, so there's different features that you may have with your version of EEM. Now, so Cisco's been expanding the feature capabilities within EEM over time as oh, well. Oh, yes. It's we just growing. released EEM 4.0 and 15.2.2t very recently. What, what major feature did that add? Uh, some really cool stuff. Uh, on the CLI side, we, we now have the ability, we have a little use case of writing a poor man's AAA server. So we expose enough variables that you can do some command auditing and authorization. And we now added the ability to manipulate files with applets. So you no longer have to switch to tickle if you want to manipulate read, uh, open, read, write hmm. files. And we have some tighter resource control. So that question you asked earlier about resources, uh, you can do a lot more resource control both on the memory and CPU side in EEM 4.0. Now, uh, you know, we've been talking about all these examples, and we'll obviously have some here in our show notes, but where's the best place online to sort of get help with setting this up? You know, are there good documents online, or should, better yet, should customers open TAC cases to uh, help them set up their EEM scripts, for example? I think most people would want to call me, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. Our Cisco support community is probably the number one site to go to because we've got a lot of good documentation out there. Uh, a few of uh, us wrote a, a nice white paper on best practices, plus it's a great place to come and ask questions. 
tax supports EEM as a feature, meaning if it's crashing your box or you have um, uh, an applet command isn't working correctly, you can open a tax service request on that. However, if you need some custom scripting help, TAC really isn't the place to go. You should come to Cisco support community. I try to answer everyone who comes out there, uh, try to give them some hints, and we've got a lot of customers now chiming in as well to provide insight and help. What about um, sharing of EEM code? or or applets or tickle scripts? By all means, please do. Uh, I'm a big open source uh, fanatic, a big BSD guy, and our uh, Cisco support community, our Cisco Beyond site, www.cisco.com slash go slash Cisco Beyond, redirects to the support community and is a place where you can contribute your own scripts or come and find a library of useful examples from both Cisco employees and customers to help you get started. All right, cool. So, um, you know, we've talked about EEM today. I hope we've uh, cued your interest in this. Uh, What we're going to ask is that listeners who have experience with EEM, or if you're just trying it out for the first time, uh, let us know how it goes. Um, Drop us an email and uh, let us know what interesting solutions you were able to come up with, maybe some that were functional or or maybe kind of silly, but we'd love to hear about what you're using this for. I'm hoping for the autonomic car that drives based on EEM. Yeah. Well, apparently California is just about to legalize autonomic cars. Yeah, I, think, so that's a, I think Nevada just did. Yeah. <laughs> Passed a driving test in Nevada. <laughs> one, if one car crashes, stop. <laughs> Send email. Well, didn't somebody write a, uh, a tw- tweet, like their router yep. would tweet stuff? Uh, Bruno Clauser, one of our uh, SEs out in uh, Europe, wrote the tweeting router, and he, it's got its own Twitter site, and you can go and download that code from the Cisco Beyond site I mentioned. So if you want your router to tweet, what does it tweet? All, all implemented in EEM. All implemented in EEM tickle. It tweets whatever you want. His uh, router, his little 1800 in his basement, tweets its fan status, tweets. It's got a printer hooked up to it, and the printer's sending traps. It tweets the, the ink levels on the printer, but it can tweet whatever you want. It tweets its political views. Yes. It's uh, <laughs> jokes. Jokes and one liners. Okay, cool. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll provide a link to that Twitter feed as well. That'll be cool in the show notes. And, um, yeah, just drop us a line at securityshow at cisco.com and uh, let us know, um, let us understand what you're using the feature for and, uh, you know, how it's helped you. So can people tweet to the router and will it reply? The router, no, it's a, it's a tweet out only. Uh, the, uh, there's some security concerns if, if people can tweet to Bruno's router. They probably sure. Do we have one? Because we had the thing where you could. I, I, I actually wrote an XMPP client yeah. uh, that you can embed into iOS and Tickle, and that you can actually send CLI to. So the router publishes its syslog messages on a pub sub bus and will accept syslog, uh, CLI commands and will execute and reply to you. So, Joe, we've talked a lot about EEM, and I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, how can we get our listeners to actually experiment and try something out. And so I got a challenge for you. Okay. So on the show notes, I propose that we put a little EEM applet out there that we talked about how a router can send out an SNMP trap. Um, And what we'll do is we have a customer load this EEM applet on their router, and when they run a command, maybe, um, you know, I don't know, Shover or something, it'll actually execute the EEM applet, and it will send an SNMP trap to a Cisco router or switch. And in that, it'll have their email address. And when our device, which is also running EEM, receives the SNMP trap, it can go ahead and generate an email back to that listener to let them know, one, their EEM policy is working, and two, that this is two-way communication between two devices strictly via EEM. Absolutely. I'd be happy to set up uh, uh, the my 
Jabberwocky switch at home to receive these traps. And if you guys do this, we'll put in that policy. You guys run this sample policy. Send me your trap. I guarantee you my switch will send you back something all automated from EEM. Very cool. So, listeners, there you have it. You've got the challenge. Let's uh, see how many people we can get or how many devices we can get uh, talking to Joe Switch at home. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Tax Security Podcast. Um, so the show notes you can pull down from by going to www.cisco.com slash go slash tax security podcast. Uh, you can also find other episodes there as well as links to subscribe via iTunes and whatnot. Send us an email at securityshow at cisco.com. Also in our show notes page, we have our uh, voicemail number, our Google voicemail number, which no one has sent us a voicemail yet. So we'd love to hear um, a question read out by a customer that we could uh, discuss on the show and let us know how to pronounce your name and also if uh, we can read it out loud on the show. So thanks a lot for listening. Special thanks to Joe for coming in and talking to us. And we look look forward to your, um, your experiences with EEM. Let us know how it goes and take part in that challenge. All right. Thanks a lot, guys.